I'm glad we've got the nursery in here this morning. I, I always uh, tell parents who think that, uh, oh, I'm going to hit the lights, excuse me. Uh, all of their baby sounds, that's the only thing we listen to. I, 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 when I hear the baby sounds, I think family. Those are good family sounds. Uh, and that's what we are. We're family. So it's, it's not a disruption to family to hear family sounds. We are excited to have children in here with us. We're, tr- we're excited to have whole households. This morning, I want us to think about Christmas. I want us to think about children. I want us to think about the whole family experience and just what it means. As, as uh, I think about next year, our family's growing. We're looking forward to two additional children into the, the, our family. Um, one we found out was revealed uh, just a couple days ago, uh, Bethany and Josh, uh, they're having a little girl in June, so we're, we're, uh, we're thankful for that. You know, and, uh, as, as you, you think about knowing the gender ahead of time, it's great, you can prepare uh, lots of ways for that. Um, children, uh, girls and guys both, they're born for different reasons. Uh, girls, little girls are born for the adversity of motherhood. Um, it's, it's not easy being a woman. It's not easy being a mother. Uh, there's lots of uh, pain in childbirth and pregnancy. But at the same time, there's huge, huge blessings on being God's chosen instrument to be a vessel of life. None of us are here without a mother. You know, it just, we have to have that instrument, that very precious creation of God, a mother that brings us into the world through all of her adversity. Uh, So she becomes a vessel of life, a life giver. And um, what a special, huge blessing that is. Um, And I I think about that as I think about a granddaughter's, I think about um, all that takes place. There's, There's pain. Yes, but there's great and rich reward and blessing as well. Um, thinking about a little uh, girl coming into the world, it, it did remind me of a, of a story I heard about uh, mom and dad bringing their little girl home for the first time, putting her in her crib, and she just really went to crying. You know, uh, my granddaddy would have said, she's throwing a whammy. Does anybody still say that? Uh, she was throwing a whammy. She was letting it out, crying for all she's got. And the little boy who was already in the house got real perturbed real quick and, you know, said to mom, where did she come from? And mom was quick with a great response, said, well, God sent her down from heaven. And uh, he said, well, there's no wonder they let her go, you know. I want us to think this morning about why Christ came down from heaven, why he cried out. Uh, It's interesting, the song we sang, Away in the Manger, the author of that uh, hymn, uh, and it's a classic hymn. I mean, we all probably know it without uh, needing words. Um, But in that hymn, there's this phrase, the cattle are lowing. The baby awakes, little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. I mean, how does he know that? Most of us would assume babies cry. Um, 
that's normal? Why wouldn't Christ, who was born to be a normal human being, why would he not cry? And I, I, I got to thinking about that even more. In the same line, the cattle were lowing. Well, he's assuming there's a plurality of cattle. How many? Well, it's got to be at least two for his rhyme to work. Let's go with three. Let's go with a cow being about 800 pounds. We're talking about 2,400 pounds of beef mooing. Have you ever been close to a mooing cow that's 800 pounds and not been startled? Not cried yourself? Have you ever smelled the rear end of three cows? I mean, there's all kinds of reasons why this baby should be crying if the cattle are lowing. But the scripture doesn't say there were cows lowing. It doesn't even say there were cows. We even talk in that song about him laying his head on the hay. It doesn't even say there's hay. So all of these things are assumptions that they're cows, that they low, they moo, or that there's hay. The Bible doesn't give us any of those things. It also doesn't tell us the baby cried or didn't cry. So why was he here then? What, what was going on? I want us to go back to the scriptures and see what God's word says. It's so easy for us to make assumptions. Well, he was there, laid him on the hay, there's some cows, cows were mooing. We don't know any of those things. But we do, do know what Jesus cried out when he came into the world. We do know he cried. We don't know if it was the cry of a baby because he doesn't tell us. But it is words back to the Father. He cried God talk. God speaking to God on the first Christmas. And I want to read it to you in Hebrews chapter 10. Turn there if you have a text. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 5. These are the words of Christmas. These were the words of the Christ child as he communicates with his Father in heaven. Hebrews 10, beginning at verse 5, says, Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says... If some of you have the old King James or older text, it says he cried. But as he's coming into the world, so as he is born from the womb of the Virgin Mary into the world, Christ says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. I mean, just think about that a minute. Christ is born, comes out of the womb of Mary. Mary's holding him, or Joseph's holding him. And he's looking up at God the Father and says, How cool is this? I got a body. Here it is. A body has been prepared for me. You didn't want the sacrifice of bulls and goats. I didn't come that way. I came in the form of human flesh a human body so we've got this communication going on between god and god revealed to us here in the text a body verse six in whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin 
You've taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I come. I mean, just imagine the Christ child. <laughs> I'm here. Behold, look at this. This is cool. I have made it. You know, we, we think about uh, somebody in the spaceship finally landing on the moon or something and come out and say, I did it. I made it. But this is God who doesn't have a body like us coming to earth through Mary, coming out and saying, I did it. Behold, look at this. I have taken on human flesh. And these are the first words of Christmas. We couldn't understand them if they weren't revealed to us by God himself. He goes on in verse 7, says, In the scroll of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. After the saying above, sacrifices and offerings and whole bunter offerings and sacrifices for sin you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them which are offered according to the law, then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. He t- takes away the first in order to establish the second. Well, I want us to think about this wonderful text, these Christmas words that are delivered to us by Christ. You know, if, if you were a detective, say in about 30 A.D., and Jesus steps on the scene, he's been anointed by John the Baptist, he's now high priest, and he begins his priestly ministry, and Mark preached on it last week, his first miracle, it turns water into wine, you're saying, whoa, whoa, what's, what's happening here? I need to investigate if you're a reporter during that time. Who is this person? We, we've never seen or heard from anyone like this. And so you, you find out he was born, and you go at, in Bethlehem, and you go back there, and you track some of this down. You may uh, interview the, the shepherds. You're hoping for maybe an angel. But you get the shepherds, you go and you talk to Joseph and you talk to, to Mary. But your interview would not be complete if you didn't just walk right up to Christ and say, Christ, Jesus, who, who do you say you are? Why are you really here? Why are you doing what you're doing? You would want to get a, you, as a reporter, you always want to get as close to the firsthand information as possible. And here, if you're in 30 AD, you can just talk to Christ face to face. And if you were to do that and ask him his first recollection of birth, Christmas, you get these words in Hebrews 10. That he came to earth, he took on a body, he declared that it was so, that it was good, and it was according to God's will. I want us to look at some of the parts. First of all, his purpose for coming, it's very uh, expressly stated here, verse 7. Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book it's written. Here's the purpose, to do your will, O God. He repeats it, verse 9. He said, Behold, I have come to do your will. God's purpose, Christ's purpose for coming was to do his will. First of all, it didn't just happen didn't just happen. It wasn't just 
coincident, wasn't just happenstance, the, the stars didn't just somehow align. Christ came to earth purposefully, intentionally. So I have come, and the reason I'm here, the reason is to do God the Father's will. He has willed it so. He wants it. I want it. We have a reason for being here. It's, it's, it's important that we see that. Let me show it to you a few other places. Look at John chapter 4, verse 34. John 4, verse 34. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. After picking his disciples, Christ had to remind them why he had come. They wonder, what in the world are you doing? He says, I'm here to do the Father's will. That was why I came. Look at John chapter 6, verse 38. Not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus is, is under the authority of God the Father, and he, he submits to that. And God the Father's will is for him to come, to take a body. body's been prepared, and so he says, that's why I'm here. And, and he stays with that. He's consistent with that, to do God's will. Um, now, that's, that's not easy for any of us to do. I mean, no one in this room ever came into the world and says, I'm here to do God's will. When I came into the world, the first thing out of my mouth was, I'm here for me. You know, I'm here for my will. Why do babies cry? Because babies get hungry. Babies get wet. Babies get messy. Babies get irritated, frustrated. They cry to communicate. And it's take care of me. That's what we all cry. Christ didn't come crying, take care of me. Christ came, take care of the Father. Take care of His will. Let's accomplish His will. And the only way you and I could ever say, I am here to do God's will, we can't be just born, we have to be born again. Before we have heart and will to do the Father's will. Christ didn't need to be born again. He was without sin. He came desiring to do the Father's will from the very beginning. He says, know that. I am here. My purpose is to do the will of God. By the way, have any of you ever wondered why, why firemen have dogs on the fire trucks? You know, what's the purpose of that dog? Some people think it's good luck. Uh, I've got a good theory on it. Other people uh, uh, say, no, the dog is, 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 is designed to keep people back. You know, like a border collie. Keep, keeps them at bay so the firemen can do their work. But I really know why that dog's there. Um, they, they feed him as much water as they possibly can while they're putting on their gear and getting on the truck. And then after they ride a little bit, you know, that dog's got to go. And as a result of that, they find the fire hydrant just like that. That's my theory. Just wanted you to know. That dog probably, I don't know if he has a purpose or not. Christ has a purpose. He doesn't come with no purpose. I want you to just get that. 
Christ didn't just show up because there was no reason for it. He had a purpose, and his purpose was clearly to do the will of God. So what's God's will? Look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. I'll give you a few passages that just expressly state it. 1 Timothy 1, verse 15, and it's emphasized here. It says, it is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. This is a trustworthy statement. You can take this to the bank. You can count on it. Christ came into the world to do the Father's will, and the Father's will was for him to save sinners. Another place you see it in Luke 2, the Christmas one of the primary Christmas texts in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, the angel speaking to the shepherd says, For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He came to do God's will, and God's will for him was to save. You see it expressed to Joseph. Look at Matthew 1. Jesus, the name Jesus is given to Joseph before Jesus was born. Matthew 1, verse 21, your uh, wife Mary will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. The word Jesus comes from the Hebrew word Joshua, Yeshua, or Yeshua, which means Savior. He's coming to save his people from their sins. It's a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance. Everybody needs to know it. Everybody needs to accept the will of God was to save sinners. Matthew 1, don't miss it. He came to save who? His people from their sins. He has a people that he wants to be his, and he's coming to save us from our sins. So what's the reason for the season? God's will was to save a people. And these people needed saving because they're sinners and he's holy. And holiness and sin don't go together. So for us to be brought into heaven, we who are sinners have to be made holy. So God's will is send them a savior who will save them who will make them holy. Christ comes to save us from our sins. The reason for the season, the, the real reason, if you t- track it back a, while, a ways, or what causes the season? What causes the season is sin. There's, there's no need to come and prepare a body for God. There's, there's no need for Christ to die on the cross. There's no need for Christ to save if, if there's no sinners to save. The reason for the season is sin. The reason for the season is is you and me. We're sinners in need of a Savior. Christ is coming to save sinners. The season's not for children. The season's for sinners. For all of us to see we need to be cleansed of our sins, you know, we, we switch the reason to children, we switch it to whatever, because 
we, we don't want to face many times our total depravity. We were born in sin, destined for hell, unless there be a Savior. Christ is not seasonal. He's King of kings and Lord of lords in every season. But I, am a, as a sinner, am seasonal. Praise God. There's a season for my sin, and there's coming a season when there's no sin. And that's because of Jesus. I'm the reason for the season. My seasonal sin is the reason for the season. I look forward to that season when every spot and blemish is removed and I can stand in the presence of holiness because a holy God came to cleanse me from my sin. That was the will of God, to come to sinners and to deal with our sin issue. Christ came for that purpose. That's why we all need Christmas. We all need Christ because we're all sinners in need of cleansing or we cannot stand on judgment day before a holy God. If we can stand cleansed, if we can stand somehow changed from our sinful condition, life is beautiful. So glad Christ took that as his purpose to come and mercifully deal with sin. How does he do it? The plan. Think about it. Verse 5 and 6 of Hebrews 10 says the plan is to do it through a body. A body has been prepared for me. He says, from the beginning, God had this plan that there's no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. So they shed the blood of bulls and goats as a sacrifice that points to a need of blood covering us because God's going to accept that covering as a washing for a way of sins. But this passage says, but that doesn't work. The blood of bulls and goats didn't please God. And so Christ took a human body with the intent of that blood being spilt that we could be covered from our sin. Uh, Christ's body. How is it prepared? It was prepared through the virgin womb of Mary. So Christ comes in of the Holy Spirit through a virgin so that he doesn't have sin in his flesh, in his body. And all that's important. Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. The emphasis here on not being a bull or a goat, but there's more. Hebrews 2, verse 14 says, Therefore, since... The children share in flesh and blood. That's you and me, the children of God. He himself likewise also partook of the same. So Christ comes and takes flesh and blood. That through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death. That's the devil. And might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. For assuredly he does not give help to angels. He does but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he had suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Now, that word propitiation is a big word. 
means to hold back the wrath of God. God is angry with sinners every day. Christ says, I'm going to come and I'm going to stand between you and God. There's one mediator between God and man, that's Christ Jesus. He stands between us and God and he, to be our propitiation, to hold back the wrath of God that it doesn't consume us. And instead of consuming us, it consumes Him. Now how can that work? How, how can that be satisfactory? Well, it is because that was God's plan, that blood must be spilt to cover us. And it can't be the blood of bulls and goats. And Christ says, I didn't come to save angels or I'd have been made like an angel. I came to save sinful humans, so I was made like a human. That way I would be a substitute for humans. Christ is not coming to be a substitute for our animals or for our angels, but for us. So he takes on a human body, flesh and blood for us. Go back to Hebrews 10 and look at verse 10. I didn't read, but I just want you to see the emphasis on body. It says, by this will we have been sanctified. There's our cleansing. Through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So he stood with flesh and blood between us. His body was sacrificed for us. And that giving of his body cleanses us from the sin that keeps us from God. I've heard a, a, a teacher story of a school up in um, Virginia. And it was back in the country of rural districts of Virginia where it's hard to find teachers. Uh, schools of small pay is small. And um, there was this one particular classroom of all boys. It's just the way it worked out because of the, uh, the rural district. And every teacher that had gone there, you know, could only take it uh, for a couple of weeks and they resigned. I mean, they couldn't find a job. They take this job and... This job is just not worth it. They'd rather be no paid than to take this job. And just imagine the scenario, and you, you understand why this is true. Uh, if you've got a, a class of all boys, and they're all kind of bullies, and you're a new teacher just fresh out of school, you're a 22-year-old uh, rookie teacher, 5 foot 2 and 120 pounds, and you're supposed to teach this class of bullies, and they're, most of them are bigger than you. It's, it's just not fun. If they want to have their way, they end up having their way. So teacher after teacher went through this school, and it's just not working. Finally, there was a young male teacher who was, you know, a big football type, went into teaching. He says, you know, I couldn't find a job. People didn't think he was maybe smart enough to be a teacher. I don't know. Couldn't find out. He ends up at this school. He says, and he started praying before he went to class because all the other teachers resigned. The principal says, good luck, man, if you can do this. Nobody else can. Glad you're here. And he started praying about it. He says, God, what, what do I do to, to get some order in this classroom? And so he wa walks in the classroom the first day. And he says, guys, everybody knows what's going on here. You run out of town, every teacher that comes. And the reason is because there's no peace in the room. And the reason there's no peace in the room, there's no rules in the room. He says, we're going to establish some rules, but I'm not going to establish some. I'm going to let you establish them. And all the boys said, whoa, that's different. Everybody else comes in and tells us what to do. 
this guy's letting us tell us what to do. He says, I'm going to write on the board whatever you think the rule ought to be. He says, but it's got to be a school rule. It's got to be something that moves us down the road. So the first guy up says, I got a rule, no stealing. Tommy always steals my lunch. No stealing. He says, that sounds like a good rule, so he puts it up. Another one, no, no late. No, nobody should be late. Why do you want that rule? He said, because Billy always comes in showboating, like he is something, and I'm just tired of it. All right, put that up there. Nobody late. You know, so he, he went through some rules until he had 10. And every, is that your rules? Everybody's agreed. He says, all right, now no rule is worth anything without some sort of punishment. So now that we've got the rules, what do y'all think the punishment should be? And one of the kids says, you ought to take that switch over there and hit somebody 10 times on their back if they break a rule without their coat on. West, uh, or Virginia's kind of cold up there. He said, that's kind of severe. That, is that really what y'all want? Everybody, yep, that's what we want. So he wrote that up. Punishment is 10 licks on the back, no coat. They st- he started teaching. It wasn't long before uh, Big Tom uh, says, somebody stole my lunch. Somebody's in trouble. So they investigate. Wasn't the normal guy. Little guy, the scrawniest one in the room, um, his name was Jim. I'm going to call him Little Jim. It just makes it work, okay? Little Jim stole the lunch. And when you look at him, you say, well, he needs the lunch. A whole lot more than Big Tom. But the teacher didn't know anybody, really, just first day in, and comes up and says, okay, Jim, take off your coat. Got to get your licks. Lean over here at the desk and... I'll give you your licks. And everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they're all over this. And uh, Jim said, I'll take my licks, I'll take my licks, but please, please don't make me take off my coat. And then he started crying, literally crying. Don't make me take off my coat. Don't make me take off my coat. And the teacher says, you, everybody in here voted for the rules. You have to take off your coat. You have to take 10 licks. It's It's y'all's plan, not mine. So he finally took off his coat, and when he did, everybody in the room could see he didn't have on a shirt. He didn't even have on a T-shirt. And you could see his scrawny body. And the teacher then had a heart, said to himself, how can I whip this little kid? It's, it, this is pathetic. And there was no sound in the room. Everybody could see this, this was wrong. Um, and so the teacher asked, Jim, why don't you have a shirt? Why don't you at least have a T-shirt on? And Jim said, well, because everybody knows my daddy died last year. And my mama's trying to raise us boys, and she just doesn't have much money. I don't have but one shirt. And she was washing it when I left, so I got my brother's big coat to keep warm today. And as everybody understood they were better off than Jim teacher says, well, that's a sad story. I'm sorry, but, you know, we've we got to go through with this. Or it's just not worth having the rules. So lean over. And he pulled the switch back, and as he hit the first time, Big Tom stood up and says, if there's no objections, he stole my lunch. I want to take Jim's lickings for him. And Big Tom jumped up to the classroom, pulled off his coat, and leaned over right where Jim was, and Jim grabbed his 
neck and said, Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. And Tom took the licking. As I heard that story, I thought, Wow. There's no objections. I want to be a substitute. I want to take the lickings. I was the offended party. And it sounded so much like Christ saying, I got a body. Let me step in. I'm the offended party. And if there's no objections, let me take their licking for them. Christ came to stand in our place to take the punishment we were due. And he stood there as a legitimate substitute, having flesh and blood, like us, being the offended party, no objections from heaven, substitute punishment was given Christ. He took our help. That's the importance of Christ having a body through the Virgin Mary. Now, let me take you one other place. Go back to Hebrews 10. I want you to see the pleasure of Christ. This is so cool. It says, Behold, I come. It says it twice. I'm here. And you can't quite get it, but you, you get a hint of it. I'm here because I want to be here. But I can give it to you more expressly other places. Look at uh, Psalm 40, verse 7 and 8. I want you to see his pleasure. Psalm 40, verse 7 and 8. Here's the prophecy. Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. Same language in Hebrews 10. It's quoted from here. Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book, it's written of me. And then catch these next words. I delight. To do your will, oh my God. I don't just come to do your will, which is what we got in Hebrews. The author of Hebrews left out a couple key words here. I don't just come to do your will. I delight to do your will. Now, the the author of Hebrews got that. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse 2. And it says, we should be fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author of and the perfecter of our faith, he says it this way, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. How cool is that? Christ didn't just come to do God's will. Christ took pleasure in God's will. He says, I'm doing it because it satisfies me. And it satisfies the Father. It's it's a joyous experience to be crucified? No, no. Crucifixion is painful. We know that. But there's things we will do too. Uh, we will endure them because we, we know it's going to take us to a good spot. You know, I'll endure the run. I'll endure the weight training. I'll endure the diet. I'll endure the hardship. I'll endure the boot camp. I'll, I, you'll go through Painful experiences because you know it's going to take you someplace that you want to get to. And Christ wanted to get to that place of being our substitute for the joy before Him of fully satisfying God's wrath 
being the propitiation for our sins, for the joy of that, he says, I'll endure the cross. I'll endure the pain. I'll endure the misunderstandings. Have you ever asked somebody to do something for you and they say, well, okay, I guess. Come, come help me do the dishes. Do I have to? You know, and let's go clean up the den together after Christmas. Really? Do I have to? You know, and you feel like, well, just don't worry about it. Because if you can't do it with joy, I'm not sure I really want you around. It's just not fun. But it, if you want to do it, and so sometimes we start asking, you wouldn't want to come help me, would you? Why, wow, we've been wounded so many times from people who don't seem to put their heart in it. It's so much nicer when your heart's in it. And Christ comes saying, my heart is in it. I don't want, I'm just not here. I want to be here. So when people are saying, if you are somebody, come off the cross. He says, no, no, you don't get this. I want to be here. I am dying a purposeful death as the propitiation for my people. I want to do this, to do God's will. I want to satisfy God's wrath. It's my pleasure. You know, um, at Christmas time, what really gives you the... What, what, what makes you smile? What makes you have the most joy? It's, it's not necessarily that you've, you've, you've figured out the perfect gift and you've given it. There's obviously more joy, I think, in giving than getting. But, you know, you don't look at the gift when somebody else is opening it. You look at their face. And what makes us smile is seeing them smile. Seeing them happy, whether it's a little one or an older one. When, when you see them smile, you know you just made a home run. It's like, yes, feels so good. And I, I want you to get a glimpse of what it means to, to look into the face of Jesus and see him smile as he dies in your place. And he says, this gift I'm giving, I want to do this. It's my pleasure to serve you in this way, to do God's will, to die in your place. And then, fourth, I want you to see this morning in Hebrews 10, God's presence. He says, behold, I've come. And it's in the present tense, continual action. Christ didn't just come 2,000 years ago. It's not just a historical story. Christ is with us. You know this part of the story, Matthew 1, 23. Call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. He's with us. He's constantly with us. He has come, and he's here. He didn't just come. As I was talking on the Bible one day, somebody said, well, why do you always have to talk about the Bible? It's so ancient. It's so old. And yet, I said, well, you're missing an important ingredient. Christ told me that if I teach the Bible, he says, 
He says, behold, which is that word, look at this. He says, I will be with you always, even to the ends of the age. He is with me. He wasn't just with people 2,000 years ago. He's with me. It's Emmanuel. God is with us. And for us to see that and understand that, that the presence of Christ means everything. Um, Christmas is not dated. The story is never out of date. There's a lot of people changing it right now. We sang some new songs. That's great. God says sing a new song to him. But a lot of people are changing. I've noticing commercials and stuff this year I've never seen before. Changing the whole emphasis and, and thrust. The story's not out of date, folks. It's never out of date because Christ is still present in the story. He's still with us. He says, I've come to be in you, to put my spirit with you, and, and, and to be with you always. And that's part of the text as well. So as people start changing that, it's obviously a sign that Christ is not with them. Is Christ with you? Do you get that this morning? Your need is to receive Christ as your Lord, as your Savior, as your only hope, as your sacrifice, as your propitiation, as the blood and the body that stands between you and the Father. Um, the hymn, O Little Town of Bethlehem, says, How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of His heaven. No one may hear His coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive Him still, the dear Christ enters in. Um, it could happen right now. You could say, yes, I hear, I see, Lord Jesus, come to me. And as you receive Christ, nobody hears it, but He comes, forgives you of your sins, washes those sins away, makes you right with God, transforms your life forever. Behold, He comes. Ask Him to come if you've never asked Him to do so. Say, come to me. Change me. Stand between me and God. Be my propitiation. Be the sacrifice I need. That's the Christmas story. Um, Christ's work is not finished. He's still doing it. He's still changing us. One at a time. Little by little. As He saves His people. And prepares a place for us. To be with Him forever. Well, I challenge you to think about Christmas from this perspective. Christ has a purpose. His purpose is for you. To see Christ has a plan. That plan was to take the body you need. To see He has joy in doing it. He delights. You don't have to fear Him. But you can reach out and receive Him. You can pray to Him. And that's what we want for us, for our neighbors, for our children. Let me pray for us, and then we'll take communion together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for these first Christmas words. Sometimes we go to, through the Christmas experience, and we hear from everybody but you. And so the story is always a little removed from its original source. Bring us back to Bethlehem. Bring us back to the child right out of the womb of Mary, crying out to God the Father, declaring His reason for coming. Help us to see Christ as He is, 
Help us to see Christ as our need. Lord, let us receive Christ. Let us be filled with him and changed by him that we might be born again and able to do your will our remaining days on this earth for your honor and for your glory. So the celebration truly becomes about you. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.